<laughs> good morning. How you guys doing? Hey, it's good to see you. Come on, tell me how good it is. No. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I was telling the, the first service crowd, I always feel, I don't know why I feel this way, but anytime that Pastor Ross allows me to speak on a Sunday morning, I feel, I feel rusty. I feel like I'm out of practice. I don't know why. I mean, I speak every week for youth, and I've been doing this for a while, and I don't, I, but for some reason, I just feel like, <laughs> you know, is it, nobody probably knows what I'm talking about. I just feel it's like I just kind of kind of shake it off. Can I shake it off? <laughs> oh, no. Cue Taylor Swift. There we go. There was. Somebody was waiting for it. So it was, for someone in the audience, that just completed a moment. Who was it? It was Eddie Bowers. Yeah. No surprise there. <laughs> this morning, we're going to be talking about altars. Everybody say altars. And uh, I was reading and uh, just reading some really great stuff about altars. And I was, I was uh, just kind of going through what, what, what I felt I was going to be talking about and, and, and just where this whole thing was leading. Um, I didn't add this. Is, we're not in the middle of a series or anything. So it was just kind of free reign, whatever I wanted to say, which is always fun. Uh, but uh, so I, I got to reading about altars and, and just all these interesting history. They go all the way back to Genesis with, uh, with, uh, with Noah he, he built the first altar, and, and, when the, and, and it says that. Well, here, I'll read it to you. <laughs> it says, Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of all the clean animals uh, and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on that. And I, I found that odd. I was like, didn't he only have two of each? What I mean, he just, everything, at that point, everything's on the endangered list. You don't just go, you don't just, you don't just go burning things up right away. I mean, it's like, thank you, Jesus. Well, they just thank you, God. There was no yet. You know what? We'll get there. <laughs> I'm sure it makes sense in some way. Babies being born or whatever it is. Sorry about them, but uh, following them, there, there's altars all through the Bible, and Abraham, and on through, and 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 you look at um, the way that God talked to His people. And when it came to building altars, he was very specific. He was very, this is the way to do it. This is how you approach it. Uh, there, there, it had to be made of, of, of certain earth and of stones that, that had not been cut or shaped by man. That couldn't have steps leading up to it. And these are the early altars and all these different things, these do's and do nots. And it had to be purified with blood and all this other stuff. And very specific ways to treat the altar. And as the altar progressed and things progressed, we got into later in the New Testament with Exodus and and and. and the, the, the Lord's people, the Israelites, being out in the desert, and they wound up building altars to go with them through the desert. And it's interesting with altars. You build altars for all kinds of reasons in the Bible. When God does something amazing or when there's an amazing battle that's been won or when there's just an, a, a time of, of just in, in enlightenment that you've never had before, you, you build an altar here, you build an altar there, up on top of this mountain, and this altar is for that, and this altar is for this. And, and it comes to the altar... Uh, in, in the Israelites' camp. And as you're reading through in Numbers, it talks about this specific uh, sect of the num names in my head. If L, someone? Levites. Levites. Why can that? I can't get num names in my head. If, uh, by the way, if I meet you like three or four weeks in a row, and each week I'm like, have we met before? It's not your fault. <laughs> it's, it's me. 
If that's happened to you, raise your hand. Let me see how many people I've met you many times for the first time. Annie, <laughs> forgive a brother. It was like six years ago. <laughs> it's not your fault. It's me. But anyway, yes, this specific part of, of, of them, and, and they, they, they were the ones who were charged with the upkeep of the altar. And anytime, anytime they, uh, they had to they pick up camp and move, it was, it was this specific crew. It was, it was their job to, to wrap things in a certain way and take things down in a certain way and put them back up in a certain way and make sure this was done and that was done. And it was all with such intention. There was such care taken to the altar. And I find that so interesting. And it all got down to this part. In Numbers 4.13 where it says this, they are to remove the ashes from the bronze altar and spread a purple cloth over it all the way down to how you remove the ashes and I began to think about the ashes and and what what a chore that's something that they had to do daily was remove those ashes from the altar because you're talking about the entire nation of Israel making sacrifices and this isn't just a you know a burn pile in the backyard there's a lot of stuff coming through and there's a lot of ashes you guys have dealt with ashes before yes what happens if you have too many ashes they, they do blow everywhere, yes. But it'll get to a point to where you can't have a flame. Especially those of you who still have a uh, fire, uh, fireplace in your house that actually burns fire, not just gas on a fake, you know, fake log, which those things are beautiful. <laughs> but every once in a while, you got to get in there, don't you? And you got to clean those ashes out because it just piles up and piles up. And it's amazing how much wood it takes to create that ash, but there's always a remnant. There's always something left over. And here God is telling these people, listen, you have to clean this stuff away. You've got to sweep this stuff aside and clean the altar or else the flame will go out. And I found that so interesting. When I was a kid, I grew up in a town called Rogers, Ohio. We moved there in 1981. And Rogers, Ohio is the definition of nowhere. I mean, it's just the, the, uh, the town has a population of 200. That was in 1981. It was 200 people. And it's grown. I, I was just on Wikipedia looking up the stats. I'm like, I wonder how Rogers is doing. They're like up in the 230s now. <laughs> right? Metropolitan. This place was, that's how far away it was. Nowhere. I had to drive like 45 minutes just to get to my school. That's how far away it was. Here, you've got a school every time you throw a rock. There's another school around the corner. High schools around the corner. I couldn't believe when we moved here, and there's a high school, and then right across the street is a different high school. You people just, eh, what's happening here? That's not how I grew up. If any, did anybody else grow up in like small town America where it was like one school and there wasn't another school until you went to the next county, like that type of thing? That's where I grew up. It was the Appalachian foothills, right where they all ended and just, it's a hill people. That's, <laughs> that's what I grew up with. You'd laugh. You laugh. But you go onto Wikipedia and you look up the stats for where I grew up in Rogers, Ohio, and then you'll cry. Yeah. The biggest thing in Rogers was the, was, was, was the flea market. Every Friday. Every Friday. It was a big deal because our cop had to come out. <laughs> had to come out to the one traffic light in direct traffic because it was, it was a big deal. And got the white gloves out and everything. Man, thousands of people would come through this, this, this flea market. Do you, guys, do you guys remember Billy Mays? Right, Billy Mays? Right, the, the, the OxyClean guy? He got his start at the Rogers Flea Market. 
Isn't that crazy? That's awesome. What? It's a wonderful, magical place. It really isn't. So when we moved there in 1981, we, we, we moved into a, a trailer on the church's property, and a really small church, and eventually we wound up renting this old farmhouse. This farmhouse had a, had a, uh, a coal stove. That's how we, we kept it warm in the winter. And, and I still remember truckload would come and dump off a truckload of coal down in this, in this certain area, and we'd shovel it into the house and watch my dad shoveling it into the, into the furnace to keep us warm in the winter. And, and every once in a while, he'd have to go into that thing, and he'd have to clean it out, and he'd, to, he'd just get just soot and black would just be everywhere. If, anybody, if you've ever dealt with coal and dealt with having to clean something like that out, I mean, it's just a nasty mess. And I remember asking Dad, why? Why do you get in there? Why do you clean that out? If it's such a miserable thing, he said, if, if, if we don't clean it out, then the flame will die. If we don't clean away the ashes, the flame will die. And here's where this all becomes so important because in that day, the flame represented the presence of God to that entire tribe, that entire nation. And it was the duty of these certain priests to never let that flame go out. And all the offerings that would come, but it would build up that races that come in. It was an incredible thing, and people being atoned for this and that. But it would build up that remnant of what was left over would build up the, the, the unusable stuff. God would burn away all that was good, all that was needed, all, and then and there was this that stuff, and, and it had to be moved away. Now here's what this means to us, guys. Now we are the altar. And the only sacrifice we have to bring is our worship. And I think it's pretty awesome. Because I've only got one dog. <laughs> Put it together. I don't have a bunch of sheep. <laughs> oh, poor Quincy. Hmm. Oh, we just all got, we all got really sad, didn't we? Let's just explore that for a moment. It's okay. Yeah. The only sacrifice God asks of us now is our worship, is our praise, is our adoration, is our attention. To bring that sacrifice to the altar. We are that altar, and God says this. He says, I need you to take care of yourself. I need you to, to be specific and intentional about cleaning away the clutter, about cleaning away the remnant of what's left behind. See, so, many, so often we, we come before God and we offer things up and we, we say, God, I need help with this. God, I need, And, and there's, there's help. A lot of times there's that, that burden that's lifted or just that insight that we get. But sometimes we, we get a miraculous miracle where something just is just taken away. My, my dad tells the story of his testimony. He grew up and, and he, was a, he was a jazz musician all through middle school and high school and became really known. He, he played with Bo Diddley and, and a bunch of other people. I have no idea, but it was, it was like a big deal and 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 we wind up uh, playing in clubs all through high school and wound up getting addicted to heroin and just having a really rough time and 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 found himself in some type of Jesus moment I have no idea where he gave to God and God miraculously healed him and took away any desire to ever touch the stuff amazing and God can do that but God doesn't always do that and that doesn't make him not God 
There are times when we come to God and he does help us. He does strengthen us. He does give us enough to get through the moment, to get through the day, to get through the weekend, whatever it may be. But he doesn't always miraculously take everything away. And sometimes there's a remnant of those things left over. There's ashes left on our altar. And it's up to us, people. It is up to us to begin to clear those things away. Are you guys with me this morning? Come on, are you with me this morning? Guys, sometimes we wonder why we can't get the breakthrough we so desperately need. Truth is, it's probably because we're trying to come to God for a blessing while holding on to some mess in our life. Say, God, I need your blessing in my finances, but I can't seem to actually tithe. The lottery, I can make room for that. That was like half a billion dollars, so, yeah. I want God to bless my marriage, but I can't, swing, can't quite seem to abandon pornography, holding on to that remnant. You want to be used by God to minister in the church, but you can't figure out how to communicate with people around you in your everyday life. Do we believe in God? Yes. Have we made the decision to follow him? Yes. Have we experienced his presence and his forgiveness in our life? Yes. Yet, are there still leftovers? Are there still things we need to deal with? Quite possibly. Yes. I'm going to open up in prayer here real fast. Heavenly Father, God, I pray you would just open up our ears this morning. God, to hear what you need us to hear. God, if there's things in our life that we're still dealing with, if there's things in our life that we're holding on to, if there's things in our life that we've given to you, but, but, they, but they still seem to remain, God, I pray that you would just illuminate those in our sight right now. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. There's a few things that I've learned about ashes, and the first is this, ashes are bitter. Everybody say bitter. bitter. Can I say this? No one in their right mind enjoys the taste of ashes. I just feel like I'll go on a limb and say that. You know, you know what I'm talking, you know, you know, guys, you're on the grill, you know what's happening, and you're flipping like a, like a boss, you're rolling those dogs around, everything's, and then one just happens, just happens to fall like right in the fire, you know, or maybe those eggs that kind of, whoops, and you just, whoop, it's a little bit of, you know, camp spice in there. <laughs> Ashes are bitter. It's not good, am I right? Ashes are bitter. But yet some of us, we've been eating the ashes of past relationships for a long time. Some of us, we've been eating the ashes of addictions for a long time. We've been eating the ashes of anger and unforgiveness. We've been allowing this to sit in our, in, in our life. We, 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 we've got this altar and we know who God is. We've experienced God. We know where God is. We know how to get there on a Sunday. And we know how to go to the altar and we know how to praise. We know that, but we, we, we've not gone the extra step and said, God, I'm going to be proactive in my life. And I'm going to start cleaning some of this mess up. Because, God, I'm not, I, don't, I don't have to because you, you are grace. I don't have to, God, because you understand. I love that Pastor Ross has helped build a culture of a church that, that says, come as you are. We want you here. Not, we, God wants you here. No matter what mess you are in, God wants you here. You need to be here. That doesn't give you the right to stay in the mess. Come as you are, but don't stay as you came. I love that. And man, that just echoes through the idea of these ashes. 
I, 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 there's something I have to do. Am I saying you have to clean yourself up to come on a Sunday morning? Absolutely not. Never. No. Not in any way. But am I saying we have to take responsibility for our spiritual maturity? Absolutely. Absolutely. Ashes are bitter. Bitter things breed bitterness within us. The Apostle Paul tells us in Hebrews 12. He says this. He says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Have you ever had to deal with a root that you just can't get rid of? Yeah? I remember growing up, we, we had this uh, chain link fence in our backyard and there was this, this, this vine. My mom called it the vine from hell. That's just what she called it. We, we, w- we would... Just every single summer, we're ripping this thing out of a chain link fence, and we're we're pulling up roots, and we're dumping gasoline on things. We don't, we're just we're just going mad on. The, and every single summer, this stupid vine would grow. To this day, that dumb vine grows. We don't know where it's coming from. It is a bitter root, guys. There's things in our life that it does that. It gets deep inside of us, deep inside of us. And the longer we leave it there, the deeper it goes. And the longer we ignore it, the more it becomes a part of us. And the longer, ooh, hold on. The longer we make excuses for it, the more it begins to affect the people around us. Because check this out. He didn't, he, didn't say, he didn't say, don't let the bitter root grow to cause you trouble and defile you. No, he said, don't let the bitter root grow to cause trouble and defile many. My one bitter root that I can't seem to take a hold of and say, you know what, God, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not anymore. I realize I want to, but you know, I'm going to be an adult about it, and I'm just not. If we can't do it, it gets inside of us, and, and it, maybe it's just that, maybe it's that, that unforgiveness that's just been molding around for years. And it creates that anger inside of you and that angst inside of you. Maybe it's just, just indignation and self-righteousness or political self-righteousness. Just get off of Facebook. Just stop. You're not convincing anybody. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I agree with you and I've unfriended you. I don't... <laughs> I'm giving MySpace another look. <laughs> it's quiet over there. He's got these nice wallpapers. <laughs> Seriously, though, you don't have to. I know you want to. You don't. And it goes into so many areas of our life. And we make excuses for it. Oh, that's just how I was brought up. Oh, this is how this. Oh, it's how it's that. Really? How long? At what point do you just say, no, it's okay for me? At what point are you going to try and convince your, your, your children that, no, you don't understand. It's not okay for you, but because of my past, it's okay for me. Either it is or it isn't. I'm going to tell you something. It isn't. And that root, it gets deep, and it begins to not just infect you. It affects the people around you. And before you know it, that bitter root that you 
made exception for, that bitter root that, that you wouldn't clean off of your table, that you wouldn't get away from your altar, all of a sudden you're beginning to see it sprout in your friends. All of a sudden you're beginning to see it sprout in your children and in your relatives and the people around you. And all of a sudden that bitter root, it's not just you anymore. And other people have the same excuse because they heard it from you. That bitter, bitter root that grows down. We feed on these ashes when we allow the cruel things that were done to us yesterday to affect how we feel and function today. I discovered the enemy, man, just loves to keep things in my face. Have you noticed that? It's like, it's like right when I finally decide I'm done with this, that's when like a billboard goes up for it, right? Like I don't even know who put a billboard in my house. No. <laughs> how did that get there? I'm serious, though. It's like as soon, as soon as we decide that's it, I'm making the sacrifice. I'm giving up my vacation to go to Haiti. Then all hell breaks loose, right? Then all of a sudden, I can't afford it, and this and that, and this and that, and the dog has this surgery to do, and the car does that, and yada, yada. All of a sudden, everything just blows up right around. It just happens to be. Or maybe, or maybe you went to your small group and you had an incredible discussion and you found breakthrough and revelation in your life. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm on fire. I can do this. I can go. And then now, now all of a sudden the husband has a stupid thing to say, which just ticks everything off and just, it just goes. How is it every time we seem to get that step forward spiritually? We go to camp and we have that amazing thing. We go to Rise Retreat and we have that amazing moment. We go to a men's breakfast or to a men's outing. And man, things just begin to make sense. And I'm, be, I'm making relationships and I'm making strides. And then all of a sudden, here comes that depression. Or here comes that anxiety. Or here comes that addiction. Or here comes that desire that I just can't seem to get away from. And it's just right in our face. Guys, it's not an accident. The enemy will capitalize on any moment he can to take you down. We can't leave ashes on the table. We can't leave ashes on the table. That bitterness will choke us out. Ashes are bitter, but not only are they bitter, secondly, they provide absolutely no strength. There is absolutely no nutritional value in ashes. Matter of fact, we'll grow weaker, weaker day by day if we quote-unquote feed on ashes. David said this in the Psalms. My heart is smitten and withered like grass so that I forgot to eat my bread. Have you ever been that down? Have you, just been that, that, have you ever been that preoccupied with life that you forget to eat? Right? And you, just, and you wind up having a headache and you're cranky and it's just that whole thing. I love how poetic David is in the Psalms. I love how he can just paint such a picture that I understand. And he's not talking about physically eating or physically forgetting his bread. I read this again. My heart is smitten. It is withered like grass that I forgot to eat my bread. Anytime in the Bible we're talking about bread, we have to understand we're talking about the bread of life. We're talking about Christ. We're talking about truth. We're talking about connecting with God. And he's saying, I've, I've become so overwhelmed that I've forgotten to eat my bread. I've forgotten to connect with God. I've forgotten to go to the source to get what I need. And he goes on in verse 9 and says this, For I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with tears. 
gone back to my past and I've, and I've gone back to my worry and I've gone back to my regrets and I've just taken, I'm just taking it in and, and, and that is my sustenance and I've gotten so involved in everything that's gone wrong and everything that everyone said about me and everything that just could not possibly be. I've forgotten to go to the source for what I need. Guys, what happens is we forget to eat. <laughs> we grow weak. Likewise, we, we, we fail to eat the fresh bread of life. And guys, what I'm talking about here is spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. Read the Bible. Yes, that is a spiritual discipline. Pray. Yes, that is a spiritual discipline. But there's more. Do you realize that simple worship is a spiritual discipline? Man, I, I can't tell you how many trip on the radio. I, I've made a, an intentional decision to start my day. I'll put some worship on the radio, and, and I'll, 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 I shut everything else down, and I make that my, my priority for just a couple songs. And it changes my point of view for the rest of the day. Things that would normally really get under my skin, for some reason, in this odd way, I have perspective priorities change the spiritual discipline of silence and meditation grabbing just one scripture just one small verse repeating it in your mind say god open open me up to the truth i've never heard before sitting in silence and just allowing that to roam around in your spirit and your mind the things that god brings up and the things that he will illuminate is just astounding discussion, iron sharpening iron. These are the things that help us to touch base with who God is and who he needs us to be. These are the bringers of life. And if we're so consumed with the ashes, if we're so consumed with the remnant of what's left over after, then, then we're, we're, we're missing the whole point. Spiritually, we grow weak. Guys, listen, physically, I don't care how much you ate yesterday. I need today's meal. I think physically we can all understand that. Right? Man, that burger was good yesterday. But I need, I need, I need me some choked barbecue today. Come on. Right? And man, that was good, but give me some KFC. You know, I don't need you at heresy. You shake your head like this. And you, the almighty KFC. <laughs> Salad. What? Who? Rabbit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we get that. For some reason, we, we don't make that connection to having to feed ourselves spiritually. For some reason, we can wait for Sunday morning to hog down again. Really? Does that, does that make sense to us? And we're midweek. Oh, worship was so good three days ago. Ah, oh, it's amazing. But I can't seem to get past Wednesday. Well, duh, go back to worship. Get more of the bread. Go back to what's good. Sustain yourself. I'm going to move on from here. Ashes are bitter. Ashes provide no strength. But the final thing is the thing that we started with is this, that ashes choke out the flame. In Exodus 16, the Lord gave Moses instruction concerning manna. 
He said, take just enough for today and don't let any sit until tomorrow morning. And of course, we know the story. Some people went ahead and they grabbed and they hoarded and they got a bunch and they went back. And the Bible says that worms got in and it stank. Worms got in and it stank. And here's the interesting thing is manna represented the, pre- the provision of God. Manna represented God's blessing. Manna represented everything that was good for what God has for his people. And 24 hours later, it stank. Just let that sink in for a minute. Manna, the very provision from God, from heaven to earth for his people, 24 hours later was filled with worms and it stank. Why? Because God wanted something new for them in the new day. He's trying to build up a habit, build up an understanding. Listen, I know I can provide for you one day, but don't just think that I'm going to provide for you one day and then you're going to coast for a week and wait for me to provide for you again. I want to provide every single day and I want you to want something new every single day and I want you to come back every single day because every single day is new. This is what it says going on into Numbers 11. They were talking about the Exodus and it says this, it was as the taste of fresh oil. That's what the manna tasted like when they got it on the day. It was like the fresh, the the taste of fresh oil. Anytime the Bible talks about oil, it's talking about the anointing of God. The anointing, the very presence of God. And they're saying this, when I went back for the fresh stuff, it tasted fresh. That's crazy. When I opened up the Bible and I said, God, show me something new, I found something new. I received something real. And, I, and, and, and the, the duty of clearing away those ashes, it wasn't that big of a deal anymore. Because I had something new to celebrate. I had something new to, to, to prioritize my life. I had something to fill that gap because I've been going back to the source. I'm not feeding on those ashes it was ashes that choke out the flame. Guys, yesterday's manna, it breeds the things that we don't need anymore. Just like yesterday's blessings and yesterday's revelation, guys, they're for yesterday. God's got something new for today. It's time to stop living in what God did and start growing in what God's doing. Let me say that again. It's time to stop living in what God did. It's time to start growing in what God is doing. Because even if you're living off the remnant of something awesome that happened, it's still just ash anymore. And it's going to smother out the flame of what God really wants to do right now. Guys, we need to make up our mind that despite yesterday's stinky situation or despite yesterday's awesome encounter, today, I'm going to seek something fresh. I'm going to seek something new. Today, You're going to go to that higher level in your relationship to God. Today, I'm going to stop letting people get under my skin. Today, I'm going to get in a proper position to hear from God. Today, I'm going to get that fresh anointing. Guys, we can't do that if the flame, if the presence of God is being completely smothered by stuff. We just can't. And man, there are things, and I don't, I want to make sure I, I, I put this out there. 
It is not my intention at all to minimize anyone's struggle. Because there are some deep roots. Man, addiction is is no fun thing. And addiction comes in many, many, many forms. I mean, to have that thing, that monkey on your back that you just can't seem to not think about. Everything seems to remind you of, and it takes you to that place, and you think about, oh, just a little bit, or whatever it may be. Just, it's not that bad, and we, we rationalize things. And, man, it becomes like this itch you just can't scratch. It just will not go away. I, I understand that. No desire whatsoever to minimize that, but that doesn't take away our duty to say, God, you're greater. And I, I may fail tomorrow, but I'm not failing right now. I, I, may, I may not make it a week from now, but I know that right now, God, if I rely on you and I, and, I, and I put everything in you and I make you my focus, I can get through this hour. That's my choice. That's my choice. I don't have to bow down to an addiction anymore. I don't have to bow down to an abusive relationship. I don't have to bow down to all these other things that the world says that own me, that, that define me, that tell me who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. I don't have to be there anymore. Because here's the promise God makes. The ashes on the altar, they produce this bitterness. They produce this weakness. They produce this sickness. But when you get a fresh touch from God, check this out. You receive it. With bitterness is replaced by joy. When you get that fresh touch and you've experienced it, weakness is replaced by strength. You've been there. Sickness is replaced by health. And those ashes, check this out. I love this. In Isaiah 61.3, it says this. To all who mourn, he will replace ashes with beauty. A joyous blessing instead of mourning. Festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Those things that used to sit there and, and, and define us in the most nasty, ugly way become somehow beautiful. God trades it in. He says, no longer is this a wound on you, but it's a scar of battle. For you to show off. I loved what Mary, I loved what you were saying about that storm. It went from, the, the storm didn't change. The storm was still there. But it went from fearing what she saw to being expectant. I'm afraid of what the storm's going to do. And it turns into, I can't wait to see what God's going to do with this storm. The storm didn't change. The ash was still there. And some of us, it, it's that way, man. I, I, just, I can't because of this. I can't because of that. I can't step forward because of this or the other thing. And, and it's been, it's been, I, this thing is, is so negative. It defines me. It's all this and that. Yeah. But imagine what God can do with you through it. Imagine who God is waiting for you to impact with that story. Imagine the success that you're going to have when you finally find freedom. Man, and that's the trade-off with God. I'm going to end with this. Numbers 4.13 said they had to remove the ashes from the bronze altar and they had to spread a purple cloth over it. In other words, before the sacrifice could be made, they had to, to spread this, this. They had to cover it with this purple cloth, which represented God. They had to cover it with the representation of God. Listen, we don't live in that day anymore. We don't have to make physical sacrifices. And you are already covered. 
and the color isn't purple. It's blood red. And the struggle you're facing, God's already, God's already said, I've already found victory for you. You just got to walk with me. You just got to gotta give me time. You've got to grow into it a little bit. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, he's talking about how he's going to run the race of life and how he's going to make it through and how he's going to do certain things and certain things. I've seen a lot that he doesn't disqualify himself from the prize. Sad thing is I've seen a lot of preachers disqualify themselves. But he says this in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, because he was no perfect man. He had his issues. But he said this, no. I will beat my body and I will make it my slave. So that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I have beat my addiction and made it my slave. I have beat my anxiety and I've made it my slave. I have beaten my fear. I've beat my past. I've beat that relationship. I've beat whatever it may be. And I own it. I've made it my slave. Why? So that when I get through this thing, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Basically, he's saying this. I'm going to keep my experience fresh. And after I've fed others, I'm going to feed myself. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for your truth. God, that it's simple, Lord. And God, that it's applicable to my life. And just because it's simple and it's able to be applied doesn't mean that it's easy. God, I pray that you would begin to give us strength. God, as we learn what it is to rely on you and call on you in those times of need and those times of weakness, God, show up in a way that only you can. God, we trust you and we honor you and you give you all the praise. And you hear we say, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.